word of the day. You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Today's words of the day, the first one unofficially brought to us by UrbanDictionary.com, blurg, B-L-E-R-G, blurg, most commonly used in the same context as oh damn, used to express frustration, anxiety, depression, etc. Occasionally, the second syllable is prolonged to demonstrate any emotion in an extreme fashion. Blurg. Or maybe it's blurg. And that's the extreme fashion. So blurg. There you go. Second word of the day. Idoneous. I-D-O-N-E-O-U-S. Idoneous. Appropriate, fit, suitable, or apt. Idoneous. So there's the words of the day. Got the rerun of the 20, what is this, the 2009 NBA Finals, Game 7? 2010, when the Lakers are playing the, the Celtics and Kobe cements his legacy. So it's funny watching certain guys. I totally forgot Rasheed Wallace played for the Celtics. Hmm. Who'd have thought? Well, I mean, if you remember, if you're a Celtics fan. Anywho, all right, let's get it on. Welcome to the Cohort Sports Report, Gas Bags with Fun Facts, the podcast by regular Joes for regular Joes, sponsorship free because nobody wants to pay the sponsorship fee. My name is Jeff Woodworth. I am joined by absolutely nobody. I'm by myself tonight, so all alone. Not a big deal, but I do have an update on Flan, who, are, who is still sheltering in place. He texted me at 1.47 p.m. on Saturday. I'm going to come in for a podcast before the draft. Need to get my predictions out there, so I look line a genius. Clearly, he meant like, but uh, so you don't look like a genius right now, Flan. But hopefully, you do whenever you come back. So the draft, for those of you who are just not paying attention, and I don't blame you, is this upcoming Thursday. So well, not not tomorrow or whenever you're. I'm recording this on the Wednesday night, so yeah next thursday is the draft so flan's got two more episodes to to come in here and make his draft predictions draft his or drop his draft hot takes and i have no idea what he's going to do what he's going to say or when he's going to stop by so it'll be it'll be just as much of a surprise to you uh, as it is to me when he gets back so but yeah he's just been chilling sheltering in place because uh he's he's just playing it smart and i don't i don't blame him so good on him and the guys that i've had come over in the meantime, and and record the podcast with, we have maintained proper sheltering uh, in place, social distancing. Well, we didn't we didn't maintain the sheltering in place. I'll say that, but we did the social distancing thing. You know, we made sure that the the mics were further enough, you know, far enough apart, and you just don't dap people up. It's a little weird, but you know, so you make do. Anyway, as we proceed, the alpha, beta, zeta, I think is pretty well. The alpha is pretty clear. Stimulus check time, baby. What you doing with your money? Actually, that's none of my business. That's pocket watching. 
$1,200 hit the bank account last night, and I tell you, ooh, it felt good until I realized, A, probably got to get a new set of tires, probably got to get the brakes done, and there is a crack in my windshield that is starting to slowly grow in size, so that is slightly concerning. There's actually three cracks all across the windshield, uh, so I need to address it before they decide to start connecting you know, and, and things look really bad. I used to judge people with broken windshields super, super hardcore back in the day when I first started driving. Like, how could you? And and little did the 17-year-old the in me know, or the 17-year-old me know that, hey, man, it's just it's a struggle. Sometimes the windshield is like the last thing you're worried about when there's a litany of other things that have to be done on the car. So shout out to the government for hooking it up with $1,200. I can't wait to get taxed on that next year. And uh, But for right now, it's definitely going to go towards some uh, some car repairs so that's cool right the alpha the stimulus check get you some money all right uh b beta is just cardio man in general i mean we've we've talked about the importance of cardio here on the show and i have never is there one thing in the world that if you don't if you ignore it for like let's say one day it it has a two day effect like other than maybe pollution or you know greenhouse gases I don't know and then there's cardio and those would be the three things that I would put up there with that you need to make sure that you maintain and you're on top of and addressing every day damn near every day otherwise you're screwed I'm telling you man I, d I took three days off from running and uh, we went for a little jog today with D and I am surprised that I even had the the oomph to make it out to the the garage today to do this because I was ready to die I was contemplating life after that jog with D. So cardio, definitely uh, my cardio at least, beta for this show. And then the Zeta, this is just, it's getting weird. I don't know, I, was this planned? Did anybody have this marked down on their calendars? Why are there so many bleeping jersey releases now? I mean, we had the Bucks, we had the Falcons, then the Colts, and now the Browns have decided to drop new jerseys. The Colts, I don't even know, did they make an adjustment on their jersey? They changed the numbers. They changed the font on the numbers, that's it. Still the same helmet. Still the same jersey, obviously the same colors, same design, same template. They just they just change the font to the numbers, I guess. So um, good good for the Colts. You know, maybe you can sucker some people into into buying a new jersey with the new numbers on it. And then the Browns. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter what you do; it's not going to help you regardless. But I guess they look cool. Are you going back to the late '70s, early '80s look? With the stripes on the on the sleeve, you got rid of the Cleveland on the front, which I was never really a fan of. But then again, I didn't think they had nice jerseys to begin with. So, but hey, good on them. If you can get your if you can get your fan base to buy in, and that's basically what they're doing is they're marketing to people 30 and under to buy these jerseys whenever they come out. Then you know, good on you. But they, that doesn't stop the fact that they look absolutely. Some of these combinations and some of these designs look absolutely ugly. I'm talking to you, Atlanta. You know, quality over quantity. Just because you got like eight different combinations doesn't mean they're all going to work, right? Oof. So that's the alphabetizated there. The stimulus check, cardio, and jerseys. So now it's time for Tim Brown's stat of the day. I love how I say that like it's a memorial or something like he died. Like, no, just I think what ended up happening is I got to get in touch with him again and make sure that he can get, back, get him back on the show. But I think it was just a, there was a couple, there was like a maybe two or three streak episode, or, you know, episode streak where I'd reach out to him. Maybe it was too late or just our times didn't line up. And so I couldn't get it from him. And then 
just subliminally just started carrying on without him because I figured, you know, after he made the dad announcement, you got to start preparing for dad life. But then again, it is just a stat, you know, twice a week. So how hard could it be? But anyway, I digress. The stat of the day today is something that I saw the other day, which I thought was absolutely ludicrous. The 2000 NBA draft class. So Advanced Analytics went back and took a look at the 2000 NBA draft class. And every pick that was that was taken in the two rounds, and they they broke down their their war, the wins above replacement. And it turned out that the 2000 NBA draft class is the worst draft class in the history of the NBA because they accounted for negative 17.3 losses uh, for for each of their teams. So they were that bad. When you take a look at other draft classes and their their war and their records and and, and the averages much better. This is statistically the worst one when they average negative 17.3 losses for the for the teams that they play for. They they cost their teams almost 18 18 extra games a, a season for playing with them. That's absolutely ridiculous. Like congrats on making it to the league and congrats on getting paid, but you sirs are awful. There are winners. I'm by winning. Winner, winner, ultimately. Wow, winning. And there are losers. Loser, 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 loser. Ooh, where should we start? There's a lot of good stuff that's happening. Just because there's no sports on right now doesn't mean that there's not some stuff happening in the sports world, which is cool. Let's start off with Kyle Larson. The uh, NASCAR driver, um, well, suspended NASCAR driver, and he was just fired by, I believe it was Kanasi that he was racing for. He uh, was doing a night racing event this past weekend and dropped an N-bomb, not once, but twice. And before you think, oh, well, this is just your average NASCAR driver, this is locker room talk for them. Mind you, uh, do a deep dive on Kyle Larson and find out that he is part Asian. So... Not that that accounts for any reason that the racism was dropped, but it's just a diff- it's an interesting variable to get thrown into the equation. It made me made me think about two things: that this is probably uh, it is probably commonplace amongst NASCAR, you know, and in just those circles in general, uh, given that the region of the country that it dominates and is most popular in. So that would not surprise me. You only have one black uh, driver. The last time I checked, in Bubba Wallace who has identified and, and said that he's acknowledged that he's always going to hear the, the black driver until there's more of them in there. And this is not the type of stuff that promotes that. But he was playing, and uh, he dropped. He, he, he was trying to get a, um, a hold of somebody that he's playing with, maybe, I think it was, or maybe a crew chief. I'm not exactly sure how they had it totally set up. I was just listening to the, the Minute 30 clip that was pieced together. And he says, you know, hey, bleeps. And, you know, somebody goes, oh, and then you hear his his coach or somebody or partner or whatever just goes hey you know we Kyle we heard you and he goes oh geez and he and maybe there's some kind of acknowledgement there that he said the wrong thing but then I saw in a clip and I'm not exactly sure how many moments later it was but he does it again and one of the gamers just starts decides to start laughing so you know again probably commonplace if this is how you're communicating in the game I can only imagine how you're communicating in the private headsets that are going on when you're actually racing. So that's that's problematic, which then in turn I question the credibility of the apology that was issued afterwards where I know that you're just doing this to save your sponsors, right? Nobody is, there's no real genuine feeling of remorse when you're apologizing right away for something like this. It doesn't matter what kind of an act you put on. 
uh, when you're at that level because at some point there's going to be an implication. Like I'm sure you could feel sorry, but it's always going to come across as you're doing this to save your sponsors. And not only did he lose sponsors, he lost his job, which was wild. But what I do appreciate from Kyle Larson is his ignorance and the fact that he was able to raise the red flag on himself. And I've said this before. Part of tolerance is putting up with the fact that people are going to have hate and you have to let people speak their minds. Then it's up to you if you want to associate with them. And you don't have to inflict your morals or values on anybody else. But if I hear that somebody is speaking with with racial intentions in a manner that I'm just like, wow. Like any people get on the pulpit and say any manner of racial speaking is absolutely inappropriate. And to a degree, you can agree with that. But I also joke around about white people as much as I do people of other races with people of other races. So if you want to call that racist, that's fine. I'm doing it in a manner where I know that I am equally opening up myself for just as many jokes that could be delivered, you know, or that I could issue out. And they're all done in a tasteful manner. This was clearly not done in a tasteful manner. And what I appreciate about it and him is, and, and people like Kyle Larson that do stuff like this, is it just, it, it lets me identify them and I don't need to, I can disregard them moving forward. Like, Kyle Larson, good luck getting another job. But Kanasi Racing clearly said, hey, for the level of talent that you have, like, we're, we're not going to deal with this. We can get another driver. Like, thank you. Now we know how you truly feel. Like, now we know how you, what your true colors are. So let, we're going to move on from you. And, you know, tough. It's, it's a tough lesson for Kyle Larson because you have to learn it from through his pocketbook. But ultimately, at the end of the day, that's really the only way that these people are going to understand what they say and, and the gravity of the situation. So uh, that's where you can join in and disassociate from them. And, and I, w I tweeted out talking about the sponsors. Then you can watch the sponsors and the team. And obviously the team did what, we, what most of us would believe would be the right thing here in this situation. But you get to watch corporate America at work where they weigh the pros and cons, the, the system, you know, is it, is it worth sticking on with this? Is it going to be a rough, you know, I'm sure, and Nike did that when they signed Kaepernick. Right when they when they did the Kaepernick campaign, so these companies will go through and they'll say they weigh these situations and they just say what's the pros and the cons and can we come out of the green in this because again it's the bottom the green the, the dollars are the bottom line here and so he screwed himself out of a bunch of money those sponsors could have potentially been screwed out of a ton of money by associating themselves with him so it just trickles down and unfortunately he had to learn the hard way so it is clear that Kyle Larson takes the L in that situation. The next up on the list, I'm going to issue another L to college football coaches and how they are handling the coronavirus. I don't know if you've heard what Dabo Sweeney has said. I don't know if you've heard what Mike Gundy has said. But these guys are out of their bleeping mind. It's not, and it's due to the culture of college football. It lets me know that these guys were meant to do nothing more than coach football because that's all they can understand. They can't get outside the world of football and really put it into perspective because everything they do has to relate to football. And that's not how the real world operates. And these guys have somehow managed to navigate through the real world by still clinging on to what happens with football because these guys don't get real jobs. You know, they might get real jobs to start help supplement the income. But a lot of times you, you hear these coaches' stories, they're sleeping on floors in in student dorms in offices putting in 18 hour days working for you know 10 grand 12 grand but they loved every minute of it and now they're stink stinking rich because they're running programs but that's all they've ever known right so they have this mentality that you can go after a virus and when Dabo goes out there and says we're going to kick this virus in the mouth like excuse me sir sit down you do not know how biology works 
Like, you're, I, I'm questioning the sanitation that's going on in your locker room now. You know, you seem like the type of guy that might just spit in the Gatorade to make, it see, make everybody tougher, see if you can pass along the toughness. You know, like, I don't, it doesn't, this per, parts of it don't make, don't make sense to me. It obviously doesn't make sense to them. And there's a disconnect, especially when Coach Gundy, who I like Oklahoma State, they're usually always my second or third team every year that I'm cheering, pulling for, you know, behind my Florida Gators. But Gundy even coming out and saying, hey, we're going to have a set date. We're going to come out here and we're going to take care of these guys. We're going to lock them away. We're going to do this. Like, no. You don't understand. Like these are, there are greater powers at being right now, whether political or and and biological, really. Because just because we're going to get a clamp on the virus now doesn't mean that there's not still the risk of it popping back up. And just the idea that they want to carry on with mini camps right now and and take or spring practices and try and get these kids out there because they're gonna they're gonna do well for the economy. It is wildly irresponsible that you are signing up to give these guys. 18, 18-year-old 18 kids that they're going to spend, you know, theoretically three years with now, three years minimum with these guys. I guess they could always transfer, but, you know, ideally you stay with the program. Three years minimum to where you would be exposing these kids to a biological disaster, and you're saying you want to get them out there and get them working out because you think it's going to be good for the program and it's going to help the local economy. Like, the only one who's making money off them, I, well, actually, not the only one, but there's a lot of people making money off these kids, and more times than not, they ain't getting paid for nothing. So why would I, as a D1 athlete, want to do that? Well, you have to think about where the, where the D1 athletes are coming from, and this is a socioeconomic issue. So a lot of these guys, it, they might be going home to a place where they don't have a bed anymore. So they just want to be at school because it's a place with a bed. It's a place where they feel some sort of security. There's a routine. They can get things done. Like the kids might want to be there just as bad as the coaches want them to be there, but for other reasons because they might have a better chance of surviving at the school than they do back home, which is a wild added element to this because that gets lost, just completely buried when you take a look at the that the not only the prestige of the coaches that are speaking out, but just how stupid they sound when they're, when they're talking like this. Like Ed Orgeron teamed up with the governor of Louisiana, which I've heard other other shows or other hosts, uh, people you know that I listen to had, that, have, that have leaned a little bit more into the political side of that and said that wouldn't have happened if the governor was of a different uh, political party. So even that's, I mean, that's twisted, but you have to word it to these guys that you need to take care of business now so you can have more football. Like just because you want football now doesn't mean you're going to get football later. You need to put off football now so you can have all the football later and so it can continue going on later. But they just don't get that, which is wild. And then it brings me back to the point where you've put them in charge of looking after 18 to 21-year-old kids who, again, don't know any better because they might be coming from a situation where they are not as, not as fortunate and they have it better at the school. So, again, a lot of coaches taking L's right there in college football, main, mainly the ones being the loudest and proudest about how they think they're going to come out here and just out tough and just like I've been saying, football, just come out there and just beat it up and run it over, and it doesn't work like that. So take your L and hold on to that. Next up, Christian McCaffrey got paid, and I've heard a lot of mixed reaction about his contract, and there's a lot, there's a racial element that gets brought into it, obviously, but I think you have to stand by the fundamental idea that you cannot pay a running back that is the one position in football where I'm sad to say it's just been screwed it's so you can you can operate very well with a two three running back system 
where not maybe one guy's getting a little bit of money, but they're not getting a bunch. And you can take a look at all the guys that have been paid in the past and how it doesn't work out, and then take a look at recent Super Bowl winners and how they've had a, a stable of running backs in the backfield that have they've been able to make it work, or just even success in general. Take a look at who the Ravens running backs. I can't even name off the back, uh, top of my head, and then we play them twice a year. So it's just a it's a revolving door of a position, and you think, oh well, McCaffrey does gets it done in the air too. Well, so do other running backs. Austin Eckler was a pretty good wide receiver, or pretty good receiving running back. I believe he's more efficient if you go and look up the numbers than Christian McCaffrey. It's just Christian McCaffrey had to get paid because the Carolina Panthers are going to run him into the ground. Like that offense was just. We're going to see if one look is open downfield, and if it's not, give the ball to Christian. Get it to him, and th- I mean, hey, if he can, if he can handle that load, then by all means, do it. You know, get your usage out of him. But I don't know if the juice is worth the squeeze because now you still have two years left. The way they did this was they have two years left of him on his on his first contract, where they're giving him a little bit of uh, bonus money here and there, and then the real money kicks in three years down the road, and then it de- it descends again. So we'll see how he looks in three years because that'll be a lot of wear and tear. I mean, he is only 23 years old, so again, but it'll be 25, 26 by the time the, the, the real money kicks in, and it'll be interesting to see if, if they can get another solid three years after him or out of him, and you just hope he stays healthy. And then you wonder what this does for the other running backs that are looking to get money, like Alvin Kamara. Like, I don't think you're going to get nearly, uh, what is it, close to $16 million a year is what the math comes out to for McCaffrey. I think if you're Kamara, you could probably try and aim for, like, 11 maybe 12 but you're you're just not you're not Christian McCaffrey I'm sorry Alvin Kamara like and and de facto that's because you have a better quarterback and you're you're in a better system but you benefit from the better quarterback and the better system so therefore I can't really give you that much money you know as as, as de facto because of the better quarterback and the better system and I'm trying to think of other any other running backs that could potentially try to get paid coming up I'd even think that way about James Conner you know, I'll, I'll be honest. James Conner played well that year that Le'Veon sat out, and then last year was nothing to write home about. And you know, look at him this year, and we'll see what happens. And then moving forward, that'll be an interesting contract to watch and contract negotiations because I feel like Pittsburgh's valued the tight end and the wide receiver more in the offense. I mean, they've you know we got a good offensive line right now, but as far as like weapons go, it's gonna the the running back thing. There's always going to be some guy that's hungry out there that wants to go improve himself, and I feel like you can find two or three of those guys. You take a look at somebody like the Niners, like even between was it Breida, Coleman, and Mostert, that was a that was a nice uh, backfield that they had. Granted, I would I would say part of it again is scheming with with what Shanahan's doing, but that was a nice backfield that they had there. I mean, the Patriots have constantly gotten it done with whoever the hell's been been in the backfield you look at the Falcons even when they had success back when Shanahan was was the coordinator there they had Coleman and and Freeman so it, it you can make this work the the Titans had some success with Derrick Henry and even Deion Lewis sprinkled there not this past year because we know it was Derrick Henry but the year before doing the two-back system it's just I don't know about this running investing in the running back position like that but then again you think about Carolina who else they really got you know I mean, I think they technically underpaid for Teddy Bridgewater. They they underpaid Teddy Bridgewater, but we're going to see how that goes. And that's about it because you lost Luke Keekley, You lost Cam New- You're You're losing Cam. Or you, you got rid of Cam. You got rid of Greg Olson. You got rid of Ron Rivera. 
McCaffrey is like the only thing that remains in Carolina. So on that front, it makes sense to pay him. But that will be an interesting contract to watch. Not not these next two years, but give it about three, four years and see where McCaffrey's at with the usage and how his body's keeping up. And this is not me wishing ill will on him. I'm just saying this will be something to watch moving forward. So McCaffrey, you're going to get the W for getting the money, but it's also we're going to put a question mark next to that because we need to we need to wait for that to unfold. And I know that's a lazy take that you need to wait for it to to watch it unfold. But it's even something that you can watch. Maybe maybe there's an effect this year. Who knows? Well, it it's just the that's going to be a giant question the rest of his career is when is the drop off going to happen? Because naturally it's going to happen. Happens with everybody. All right, there's a report out of Dallas, and I'm just going to establish this by saying these guys are getting L's left and right. Zeke and Dak were at Dak's house because I guess Dak threw a party while the nationwide quarantine is is under effect, and he just didn't get it. TMZ reported somebody took pictures, po- you know, sent them to TMZ. They posted there's a buffet table. If there's one thing you can't do at a party right now, if, if you were to have a party of 10 people or less, you can't have a buffet table. That's hands reaching all around using the same tongs, reaching in the food, grabbing everything, just a cesspool for germs. You can't be doing that. <coughs> also, shout out to Zeke because in the photos, you're looking pretty fat. So you're taking the quarantine a little, a little too relaxed right now. I will say that. We'll see We'll see if he's still fitting into those crop tops when he comes back whenever the season starts because Zeke was looking a little big. But this is a terrible look for, for Dak and Zeke just on a human being scale. But when you start to peel back the layers of this, I understand why Dak did it because he's upset. Everybody on that team that has wanted to get paid has gotten paid except for him. The only difference where I can come to Jerry Jones' side and defend him is on this ground is Dak, nobody else on the team is going to be getting paid $35 plus million a year, right? Go take a look. Even even Zeke, you know, getting getting the running back money. Amari Cooper, nice wide receiver money. Okay, your linebackers, still not 35. It would take those guys. You would have to add those guys' salaries up to make what Dak Prescott's going to be making. And they're always talking about how how there's there's all these extra incentives and bonuses to being a Cowboys quarterback for life, whether it's the, the sponsorships and and endorsements that you get then and there or continued, and then Jerry Jones helping you open the door for opportunities in the future for whatever whatever you want to do. Take a look at how many Cowboys are in the media right now calling games and, and, and helping out on the pregame shows and whatnot, all that that people have been or, oriented and, and been around the, the Dallas Cowboys organization. So Dak is, is I would, I'd imagine Dak's acting out just a little bit, just saying, hey, like if you guys are – still willing to commit to me only half commit to me to where I know I'm still going to be playing I think I can get away with this stuff and as long as I perform then yeah you're going to have to pay me but the the Cowboys can turn around and just point to this stuff and be like I'm not sure if we can pay you so it would just be the same cyclical cycle that's going over and over and if you don't think it's about money just ask yourself this is a great question that I heard earlier today would Dak have done that had he had his contract, if he had like a $200 million contract, do you think Dak Prescott would have done that? No, I don't think so. I don't think he does this. I think he does this because he's upset, trying to prove a point. You know, I could be just as good for you. I could be just as bad for you. I'm still going to reap the benefits because I got the Cowboy brand right now. And it's not like they're going to cut him because who are you going to go to a quarterback, right? You're still trying to figure out if he's your guy long-term or not, which honestly, I don't know about Dak Prescott. 
I think Dak Prescott is a great game manager, and that's not me saying it as a positive or a negative. I think Dak Prescott can get you to the playoffs. But Tony Romo got you to the playoffs. I don't know if Dak Prescott can get you to the Super Bowl. I don't even know if he can get you out of the the wild card. Well, no, he could get, probably get you out of the wild card round. It's the divisional round that I'd have a question about. Like, what what's going on here, Dak? You know? So I don't even know what I really got with you. Like, 100% know what I got with you. And then you're going and doing stuff like this. If you're the Cowboys, you can look at that as a reason not to pay him. But if you're Dak, I understand why you did it. You're upset. Very dumb, though. It's just insanely dumb. And the fact that it would be two Cowboys, too, just makes it so much more uh, funnier. But it's also in a region of the world in which we know may not be taking this as seriously as we are on the West Coast. Uh, and, and I can include three states into that now, California, Oregon, and Washington, teaming up for like some super pack. But it, it would just appear there are certain states that even have their, their shelter-in-place orders to be lifted by the end of this month. So, And we have no idea what's going to be going on moving forward with this thing. So I just thought it was, when I when I heard that and this came up in the news, I, I knew I was just like, well, this is, he's going to get torched by everybody. And it was just a matter of trying to understand both sides of the situation at this point. If I'm Dak, why would I do this? Why did I do this? And if I'm the Cowboys, how do I react to this? And then on that, if you're Dak, how are you reacting to how the Cowboys react if you do perform? But then there's also the wild card of if he doesn't perform because then this totally shoots him in the foot, and it's no good. That's not good for him. So it, that's, it's, I guess Dak and Zeke, you're going to hold the L right now, and we're going to see if this, again, another lazy take we're going to see. But hold the L right now. That's what's really important. All right, how about this one? Uh, Uncle Colin Cowherd, he's been claiming that he's been breaking a ton of news lately. I don't know exactly who broke the news on where Brady was going to Brady going to Tampa Bay when it happened. He claims that he was six hours ahead of everybody. I guess if so, congratulations. What did you get a trophy? No. Okay, maybe you get a raise. All right, that'll be cool. Did you get a higher ratings? All right, maybe. I don't know. So we'll see. But I do know that this that and he's got mutterings today of an OBJ trade where the Browns would trade Odell to Minnesota for a couple of pick or first round or not first round for a couple of picks next year. And I'm thinking to myself, would this work for OBJ? Like Cleveland will take all the draft picks they can get. Cause it never seems like Cleveland's ever going to figure it out. You know, they have talent on paper, but it's just a matter of bringing it together. And I don't think they do it that well. And, and historically they've shown that they have, or at least, you know, recent history in past 20 years has shown they haven't been able to do it. Although maybe they've got something to go with this new head coach here. But I think about it from OBJ's side. This man, like he, I guess you could say, yeah, he played with a Hall of Fame quarterback and Eli Manning. But we all know Eli getting into the Hall of Fame. We kind of, you know, do the whole gif where you look to the side, kind of tilt your head and pucker your lips. Like, you know, like, I guess, you know, he's going to get in there. So he made, he made Eli look really good and Eli made him look really good. But now he comes over to to Cleveland where he's playing with Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield, I'm just going to be completely honest, he's not that great of a quarterback. Like, And I, th- I don't think it takes a genius to see that. I don't think that's a hot take. But Baker looks extremely uncomfortable in there. And he didn't look, it didn't look like he made any progression in the second year on a team that had the potential to do some damage and did not. So, And now the potential of OBJ going to to Minnesota to play with Kirk Cousins. Like, I think Kirk Cousins has a potential to be the Kirk Cousins OBJ. Here's a hot take for you. The Kirk Cousins to OBJ connection has a better chance of being the Eli to OBJ connection than 
the Baker to OBJ connection. In Cleveland, they're trying too hard to incorporate him into the offense. It doesn't work. It, it, they're doing trick plays and whatnot, and maybe that some of that was just Freddie Kitchens, but you already have Jarvis Landry. You have Njoku on the tight end. I'm pretty sure they just brought in another tight end. It's a, it's a deep wide receiver draft, so why not trade him and take the picks, and then you can get yourself a wide receiver or two in the draft to, to develop. Maybe you know you pick the, you do the whole Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown route. Well, I mean, maybe you don't get that lucky, but you do something like that where you have them compete, and then you pick the, what you think or who is a better one, and then you ship off the other one. So, I mean, just an idea for the Browns. But then again, that might be too much foresight and too much planning for the Browns. Who knows? So, but this this could be a good trade for, for OBJ, I think. I think it'd be good to see him in Minnesota. And just think about what that does for them in the division, too. You got the Packers, who, let's be, let's be honest here, the Packers need to make some improvements here on the offensive side of the football. They kind of limped through with a real easy schedule. They got bounced in the playoffs. They got thumped by anybody that presented some real competition with them. And the Vikings have, have always been right there for the past couple of years. The Bears just traded for Nick Foles. They, they're trying to dump Trubisky. They have no idea what's going on. And the Lions, yeah. So they the, the Lions might get a quarterback in the draft, but the Lions need a whole lot more than a quarterback. So this could be really, this could prove to be very beneficial for the Minnesota Vikings. And then wrapping up here, lastly, I have the Jordan documentary that's going to start on Sunday. So we're, we're going to have the quad pod and then we'll have a cohort sports report episode. I don't know, depending on what time that, that episode airs, if I'm able to see it a little early, we might incorporate it into the show, might not. But I'm still excited to see it. I am of the generation that came on towards the end of Michael. So the, the latter half, I definitely do not recall the first the first tri or the first three peat that they had that was that was before me and or you know like before I could even cognitively remember anything and then the second three peat I, I only remember really minimal minimal parts of this final season so it'll be cool to go through and take a look like I know Jordan was a a bull but the Michael Jordan that I remember actually watch play was a wizard, and that was, I mean, it was still Michael in a sense, but not so great, so it'll be cool to, it'll be cool to watch these, these tapes, and get behind the scenes access, he's already come out on the record, and say, hey, like, you're gonna think I'm a, I'm an asshole, and it's like, well, from the stories I've heard, you punch Steve Kerr in the face, you challenge players every day, you know, you challenge your teammates, you, you motivated yourself, you motivated others, like, it's with with some of that is gonna come the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, so it's just gonna be fun to get a behind the scenes experience as to uh, what, what what really was going on with those guys and just what's I think what's wild about the Bulls and I'm going to I'm going to hammer this point over the upcoming the upcoming 10-part uh, series so just just be prepared for that is how they were so dominant and so well liked I mean granted unless they were beating your you know unless they were thumping your team but so well liked you take a look at the the Lakers like think about the dynasties that we've had in the NBA right like I'm modern dynasties, excuse me. So everybody after the Bulls, the dynasties that happened, you take a look at the Lakers domination that they had. I'll tell you right now, I was not, I was cheering against Kobe and Shaq. Hardcore, hardcore was cheering for the, the Kings and the, and the Trailblazers and the Sixers and the Pacers in those matchups, you know? And then moving forward, you had uh, the, the Warriors. And unless you were in the Bay Area, you weren't really a Warrior fan. You know, nobody was really cheering for the Warriors. Like, yeah, the Steph Curry wave caught on for people, but 
is I've never met I'm I'm I've never met Steph Curry, but I've never seen a guy that is so outwardly nice and positive. Well, I take that back. Maybe Russell Wilson, which I don't understand. The hate that Russell Wilson and Steph Curry get is off the charts, and I'm sure it's multidimensional as to why they get it. But just take just search the hate on them on on the internet one day if you're bored during this quarantine. Just look up, yeah, just Russell Wilson hate tweets, Steph Curry hate tweets. People are just so mad at this guy for whatever reason. And yet, you know, and even take a look at the Lakers now with LeBron, wherever LeBron went, the Heat they, the Heat were hated on. Oh, my goodness, did we all cheer against it? Well, unless I'm sure there were people that loved LeBron that cheered for the Heat, but that's another thing where it was Braun fans and Heat fans that were cheering for the Heat, and then there's everybody else cheering for him to fail. So it's interesting. It's going to be cool to watch and just see how these guys were you know, rock stars, no matter where they went. And they were burning the candle at both ends. Like, that is something that I will do on occasion. I did it a lot when I was younger, but I wasn't doing it, like, when I was this successful. That's wild. We're going to hear stories about Jordan being at the casino until the wee hours of the morning, and then turning around, playing, what, 36 holes of golf, and then going going out on the court later and dropping 50 against some shooting guard just because the press was hyping him up. Like, this is going to be wild to hear. Not to mention, this is also the year where Steve Kerr got punched in the face. So we also get to hear about that, too. Dennis Rodman. I heard a story that they were previewing today on the Dan Patrick Show where they were talking about Dennis Rodman and how Rodman went to Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan and said, hey, guys, I need a quick vacation. I just need I just need a mental breather. So they gave him 48 hours, and Dennis Rodman went to Las Vegas. Dennis Rodman went to Las Vegas for his mental breather. He was dating, I believe it was Carmen Electra or Madonna at the time. I'm not 100% sure which one it was, but I think maybe it was Madonna. But can you imagine the 48 hours to get a mental breather, and he's probably just having a bender of a time down there in Vegas and then flies back and continues to dominate in, within the you know on the boards and 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 help these guys to contribute like it's just absolutely insane that the stories that we're gonna hear and I'm pumped for it I'm excited uh, a lot of people are questioning does it need to be ten parts hell yeah give me everything give me all the dirty details right I want to know what were the card games like you know what was the dialogue in there who were the guys that Jordan picked on the most like who did Phil Jackson clearly had favorites you know was there any was there like, give, just give me all the dirty details of the locker room what was going on well maybe not those details but you know what I mean I just want to know what the relationships were like. And what made that championship team, what made this dynasty so, so bleeping special, man? Like, it's just, it's absolutely insane to me. But so, yeah, a W on the Jordan documentary, that was what's, I mean, that's a gift from the coronavirus, if you will, because we were supposed to have this in July, like when there was no basketball, when the season had wrapped up and basketball was going to try and stay relevant, you know, through their draft process and when football started to pick up. And now, we get this puppy signed, sealed, and delivered extra early. So between the stimulus check and the Jordan documentary, ooh, can you imagine how many people are going to go out and blow their stimulus check on Jordan, on, on Jordan's now after this documentary too? Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's good news for the economy. I get it for the shoe game, but those things are ridiculously overpriced to begin with. Dope shoes, but I am paying four, four bills for them. That's absurd, man. Then I'll be down to $800 on the stimulus check. Get out of here. But that'll do it for this show tonight. Uh, back on... Sunday, maybe Flan will be here, maybe he won't, who knows, the quad pod will be on Friday, so hope you enjoyed this episode of me flying solo, wasn't wasn't sure about it at first, these always make me a little nervous, like yeah, this is what I want to do with my life, but at the same time, it's like, do I really have 100% formed opinions on this, or do I thrive off of the conversation, 
with somebody else on it. I think it's a little 50-50 because I do appreciate other viewpoints on it. Tries to get the entire picture like we did with each of these topics tonight. I don't know. Maybe you liked it. Maybe you didn't. Hopefully that we have a co-host on Sunday because, I mean, it's fun to joke around with somebody else too, right? Laughing at your own jokes is kind of douchey. So, And I made it damn near 40 minutes without, without any language. We're trying to get better at that too. So props to me, hand up. But So that'll do it for this episode of the Cohort Sports Report. Again, we'll be back on Sunday. To the haters and losers, of which there are many. Until next time. I smoke two joints in the morning. I smoke two joints at night. I left you alone for the healing since I never gave you life. I walked and built good feeling. I got diamonds in my eyes. But let's be real, Godzilla in my trunk and afford my prize. Can you feel the earth? Oh, 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 oh. Can you feel the earth? Oh, 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 oh. Can you feel the earth? What you saying, Godzilla in the trunk? Eh. Got my mans in the villa with skunk. Eh. I can't trust not a soul, I'm alone. Eh. Everybody done died her back home. Eh. I've been trying to reach you for the longest. Let's smoke clear, but you know my tree be the strongest. My branches got banks, I'ma be here the longest. I dare you, little bitch, can I be on no bullshit? Young nigga shit, I'ma get ridiculed for dumb shit. Don't rain in California, but my niggas ready to dump shit. I don't like no fake big, but you bagging like school lunches. I eat beach, you eat ass nigga like num num, that's scrumptious. Don't like no fake niggas, wanna collapse for the clout. But I know you niggas already know what I'm about. But I've been bossing since a jitty, and we litty at the house. Niggas claim it away, but use waste for they rouse, nigga. Feel the Oh, oh, oh.